All right, welcome to Divine Direction, week two. We're in Wisdom to Decide. Have you noticed that it's getting harder to make decisions? How many of you remember back to the first time you ever went to the Starbucks? It's like, I have no idea what to order. It used to be, would you like some coffee? Yes. Would you like it black or with cream? With cream, sugar, like now it's like all these names. It's like, how do you decide when there's so many options? Do we pray about it? You didn't pray about it. You know you didn't pray about it. It's just like, ah, you know, okay. So does God help us decide only on the big stuff? And then if, is it hard or easy on the big stuff? That's the kind of stuff we're talking about in divine direction, trying to figure out how do we decide when things are unclear. And so we're talking about wisdom to discern today. Here's our series description. It reads this way. You haven't finished your life story. What will you do with the blank pages? Why not look to the author of life for some divine direction for your happily ever after story? Now, just in case you missed it last week, or just so that we can kind of have a little review, last week we focused on who before do and why before what. What that was about is when we're kind of feeling unclear about how we decide things, a lot of times we're really focused on what do I need to do? Do I need to do this? Do I need to do that? And we're really kind of struggling. And from God's perspective, who is more important than do. He's more concerned about who you are than all the different possibilities of options. The point being, he wants you to be blessable, okay? So in my life, practically speaking, it it really works out like this. I want to make sure that I'm blessable, so I spend time before God to work on who I am before him and to focus on who he is, and then in that interaction, I'm taking care of business and getting washed clean and making sure that I'm honoring him and putting my life in his direction, and then all the rest of the do stuff can fall into place as I am then in a position to be blessable, if even for that day. And so focus on who before the do, And focus on the why before the what. Because the why is the motive. I mean, your motive about why you're choosing this or why you're doing this is really, really important. In fact, Paul even says things like, whatever you do, whatever work it is, do it heartily as unto the Lord rather than for men. It's like, Even your work, whatever mundane work you might think, I'm doing just wasting my time and work. Well, no, 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 no. You can do your work as unto the Lord. That's the why to glorify him. Before you get bogged down on the what. Here's the four sessions we're going to be looking at. The power of decisions was last week, who before do, why before what. Today we're looking at wisdom to decide. Next week, trust the process, and then we'll conclude with faith to start. Our focus today is this. We can make decisions that honor God even when we don't have perfect clarity. Everybody here is clear? You know exactly where you're going. You're at this crossroads. Big stuff, little stuff, doesn't matter. You know. I mean, you got clarity. I don't live there. In fact, 
This who before do and why before what stuff is really helpful to me because as your pastor, it's really clear to me that I don't have clarity as to how it's all gonna go. And, and it's like, oh, so I wanna make sure that I'm in a blessable spot. And you get that for pastors. It's like, of course, you know, he can preach inspiring sermons and he can have a great vision for us. But man, if I see him mean to his wife, right? Who before do, right? I mean, all that stuff, it's like, that doesn't even count. And that's the way you look at it and that's the way God looks at it too. To be blessable, the who is really critical and the why that I do is really, really critical. Guess what? It's true for you too, even if you're not a pastor. Who before do, why before what? Now, as it relates to clarity, we're gonna go to an inspired text. And what that means is, it comes from God, and there's a lot of certainty in there. But in this really come from God and a lot of certainty we can base our life on, it's all about Paul's unclarity. It's all about where Paul was not super clear. He lets us in on the fact that he is kind of looking at unclarity in his decision-making process. We've probably read it before, and you've probably read it before, and we never even saw it that way. So here we go. Out of 1 Corinthians, here's Paul writing to the Corinthians. That means to a church that was in Corinth. And he writes, after I go through Macedonia, I will come to you, for I will be going through Macedonia. Perhaps, wait, I thought he was an apostle. I thought, you know, if this is inspired, and he knows exactly what to tell us and inspired and writes it out for us, why is it that he's so unclear here as to what's gonna happen and how he's deciding, perhaps I will stay with you for a while. Tell you the truth, he's not sure. But he's in process, and this is before it happens, and he's just declaring what he's processing. This is really instructive to me, and it's very comforting too, because he doesn't know. There's a lack of clarity about his future, and he's just writing about it. Perhaps I will stay with you for a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey. That's a perhaps. It's like, maybe this will happen. You can help me on my journey wherever I go. He's not even sure where he's going after that, perhaps. This is part of the unclarity of how life works. And I take great comfort in that because this is where we all live. Are you perfectly clear about all your decisions about tomorrow? You kind of have a direction and you're sort of going in that divine direction, trying to be the right who and honor God with the why, right? And still, not sure. For I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. He's not sure which way it's gonna go. He has no clue, but he's just letting him know how he's planning, what he's thinking, what he's hoping for as he's trying to figure this out. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door of effective work has opened to me. We all know about this, right? We pray for the open door. How do you know if the door opens from God for you? The door is open for me. It's because, oh man, great and effective things are taking place. And yet what he says next challenges that. A door for effective work has opened to me and there are many who oppose me. Well, we would look at that and go, man, opposition here, door slammed. I'm going over here. Opposition here, door slammed. Oh, I'm going over here. He says, now that opposition has nothing to do with whether that's an open door. It's a total open door, even with the opposition. This is wild. So how is he figuring this stuff out? He has figured out his who and his why. 
And this is really important for us to get a hold of. Point number one, are you waiting for certainty? So he's already making plans, he's not sure, but because of who he is and why he's doing what he's doing, even without knowing the details and which way he's going and what's gonna happen, he's taking steps. Some of us are feeling like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought like God like tells you. I mean, he grabbed Moses, spoke from a burning bush, told him exactly what to do. Okay, hold on. Yeah, he was supposed to go back and get the steps going, but then there was a lot of unclarity after that over and over again. And look at every one of the persons that God calls and, and speaks to. Sure, there's some things that become clear, and then there's a lot of unclarity, just like what you and I experience all the time. I scripted out a prayer, how I wish that I could hear it audibly. It might go something like this, God, show me what to do. Perhaps God might say, I'm not always going to show you exactly what to do, but here's what I'm willing to do. I'm perfectly willing to give you wisdom to decide. Can you just tell me? You decide. You misunderstand what I want from you here. I don't want to make, make you do what I want you to do. Where's the love in that? I don't want to decide everything for you. Where's the, certain, the creativity, the initiative, and the faith in that? I want you to grow and learn and become who you are meant to become, and then you will know why you do what you do. Once you know why you do what you do, I will give you wisdom to decide. I've invited you to be in a covenant partnership with me here. I might, it might be good for you to ask, why do you want to do whatever it is that you want to do? Now, if that was actually the dialogue, and I wrote this out, but I wrote it out not like a hypothetical. I wrote it out like a real summary statement of what God is doing with us. The whole Bible tells us that he's a covenant-making God. He is not a power God that just forces you to do stuff and makes you do things. He has invited you to enter into covenant with him, to be a partner in his mission with him. This is what he's like. And so if he asks you, why do you want to do what you do, you need to think that through in covenant with him. What would your response be? Let's just say that you were really honestly giving an honest reply, and it's not a Sunday school answer. It's not what you think God wants you to say. You really answer I want to become more like your son, Jesus. To love and honor you. Then God might say to you, all right, so how can you best do that in this decision? And then as a covenant partner, he's not telling you what to do. Why is that? Does that raise a lot of questions for you? Now it's perfectly unclear, isn't it? All right, just like for Paul. It was perfectly unclear, but the direction, the divine direction is set by his who and who and why. And then he's beginning to make decisions. Wisdom to decide. Point number two, take wise steps in the middle of uncertainties. Take wise steps in the middle of uncertainties. Proverbs 4, 7 reads this way. 
The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. It's like, wait a minute, like, isn't that like circular? Yeah, but you gotta start with wanting it. If you want wisdom, you gotta want it and go after it. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hands, but are you more interested in entertainment and movies and pleasure and that, or are you getting wisdom? Going for learning and growing in books and being the best who you can be. Sometimes I choose entertainment. Sometimes I choose, I just want to veg. I just want to relax. I just want to be a little bit about me right now. It's like, if you really want wisdom, there's got to be a measure of working on who and working on why and becoming. All right? That's really, really helpful. Point number three. Walk with the wise. Walk with the wise. So we're talking about what do I do if I want to gain wisdom, if I want to receive the wisdom that God wants to give me so I can decide and honor and see, have a blessable life. He's saying, first we need to walk with the wise. Proverbs tells us this. Proverbs is a book filled with wisdom sayings. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. So if you want to become wise, you... Great, you're listening on this side. If you want to become wise, you walk with the wise. You hang with people who are wise. Now here's the problem. Sometimes we hang with believers, and as we're hanging with believers, everybody seems to know what they're doing. It's like, then we freak out even more. It's like, I want to know what the perfect will of God is. It's like this bullseye, I want his will for me, and I'm afraid that if I decide, I'm going to get this one. It's like off the bullseye. It's like, how do I know? All right? But the more you walk with wise people, you begin to hopefully recognize that we've been given some freedom in the why and the who for what we do, as long as it's to the glory of God. So it's within the moral parameters. Is there a lot of wise Anywhere within moral parameters, you might want to aim more towards the center because he's designed you a particular way. You might not want to go to the edges of within the moral boundaries because there's some wiseness that, about who you are, etc. right? But there's some freedom there. Walk with the wise. Your mama says stuff like this. It's almost impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. And you go, what? And you want to push back. She says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And you say, hold on a minute. Jesus said to hang with the sinners. I'm just hanging with them. (laughs) And she says something like, oh, but if you hang with the sinners and you don't hang with the believers, who is influencing who? Even Jesus had a group of believers he's doing life with. And as he's doing life with believers, they influence the sinners. Whoever you hang with and do life with will be a predictable indicator, not surefire because God is merciful, but a very solid predictable indicator of where your life is going. Walk with the wise. Your mama was wise because she didn't just make this up. Your mama probably got it from places like this, her mama, and Paul. 1 Corinthians 15.33, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. So if you're always hanging out with those who are not choosing 
the why to honor God and please him, but the wrong why, hey, my life's all about me. It's all about entertainment. It's all about party. Let's go do it. Let's have fun. And you're choosing the wrong why. It's going to bring corruption to your character. Point number four. Ask for wisdom. So we're learning some very practical things about, okay, so making decisions today is even harder and harder. We get these crossroad decisions, and should I marry this person? Should I not marry this? Should I go to college? Should I not go to college? Should I, which degree should I go? Which job should I take? Should I accept this job? Should I not accept this job? And okay, walk with the wise, seek counsel, pray about it, etc. We're going to get more into the process next week. Point number four, ask for wisdom. James says in James 1, 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. From the classic 1980s version, Karate Kid. (laughs) Mr. Miyagi says, Daniel-san, are you ready for your karate lesson? Daniel-san says, I guess so. Mr. Miyagi says, Daniel-san, we must talk. Walk on road, walk right side, safe. Walk left side, safe. Walk middle, sooner or later, squish. Get squish, like grape. Hear the same thing. Either you karate do, yes, or you karate do, no. But you karate do, I guess so. <laughs> Squish! Squash like grape. You understand? All right, so do we go with James or Mr. Miyagi? Or can we blend the two together? Here's what we read in Psalms The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. (laughs) Guide you, advise you, watch over you. If there's anything I want, I want God to guide me, advise me, watch over me. I am now, within just a few weeks ago, a grandpa six times over. And I am in this reflective stage where I'm reflecting on being a grandpa. I'm reflecting on even the process of how I was a dad and get a, you know, got a second chance, third, fourth, and fifth chance, and on and on. And there's an interesting process as a grandpa to watch the stages of influence, the stages of guiding, the stages of advising, the stages of watching over. It starts like this. And it's all one-sided, Really, I'm guiding, advising, watching over whether you like it or not. And you have very little say. But then it it changes. And I might even begin to add language to it as there's movement. This is a light switch. And then adding language and love to all that process. Then it changes to unilateral to bilateral, and they start to say, Papa. And then it, there's very few words, but just pointing. And then this got this, we're going somewhere. 
And I show and talk and teach and point out and guide and advise. But then it moves into another stage where um, pretty soon it's the hand-holding stage. I'm not carrying. I still have veto power. <laughs> right? And they're, they're like pulling me, pop, 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 pulling me along, right, to the different stuff. And then eventually there's even more distance and they're making decisions and the best I can do now is rah, 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 or with wisdom, let's debrief, <laughs> right? The debriefing, guiding, advising, and watching over. I'm bigger than them, and I can guide, I can veto, I can advise, I can guide over, but because I'm not into power structure, but relationship, they're still gonna be choosing along the way. There's a lot to learn here in that process. But as you grow, sometimes you'll grow out of the God is care. You know, some of you are in that stage where he carries you. He's walking with you. He's like making decisions for you. It's like prayer, boom, whoa. And you're just going with the flow. And then you got this, can we go this way? And maybe there was a veto. And you're struggling with some of that. But he's guiding, he's advising, he's watching over. And then eventually, there's a little bit of distance and now he's letting you decide as he's watching you develop and grow to where you are deciding and he's even gonna help you with the debrief to get better and better with that wisdom to decide. Point number five. We'll have the debrief later. <laughs> Left side, good. Right side, good. Down the middle, no decide. Squish, squash like grape. You have to decide your why. Why are you deciding what you're deciding? Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, so when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best isn't that a strange way for an apostle, inspired, led by God person who hears from God and writes stuff out and teaches us from God where a lot of times he, he does when he thought what is best. Why? Because his who is in place, his why is in place and God is letting him make decisions in covenant partnership with him according to the Great Commission because they're in a co-mission together. That's where we live, with a God who loves us, guides us, advises us, watches over us. He said, let's change the world. We're gonna finish with a very big prayer. It's not just a lot of words on this next slide that I'm gonna have you read before we pray it. It is a very big prayer. You may not be ready for this prayer, so I want you to read it quietly. Decide if this is for you
I've hit a lot of mega themes in Scripture today. Some of them are in your face. Some of them are hard to get a hold of. Some of them are very challenging. The fact that God wants to be in your story, God wants to be in your life, the fact that God gives you freedom, freedom to decide whether you're going to be in covenant with him and be a covenant partner with him, which means you have purpose, you have meaning. What does that mean to walk with him? Are you really, really willing to let go of your life in the blank pages where you say, God, I have a whole future here and I want it to make a significant difference for eternity. Are you ready for this kind of big, big prayer? I'm tired of living for me. When I live for me, really things fall apart. That's true for me. Maybe you've discovered that. I really need you. I need you to be the hero of my story. I need you to enter in. I need you to begin writing even the sentence, the paragraph today on this page. God, I love you. I trust you. I have no idea if you're ready for that. I want you to only pray it if you are. These are just words, but your heart, the motive, is what God knows. He knows your heart. He knows what you want. He knows inside even you're conflicted, trying to decide. And I guess so is not really a decision. Let's stand together. If this is a prayer for you, let's pray it out loud. If you've already prayed something like this and this is no big deal, let's pray it aloud to help others pray it too. Ready? Dear God, you are the covenant maker inviting me to a partnership in your story for your namesake and reputation. You are the author of life inviting me to join my life with your life. Since you are the author of my life, I want you to be the hero of my story, and I give you the rest of my blank pages. When I live like life is all about me, my life gets all messed up. I want my life to honor you. Thank you for guiding me, advising me, and watching over me. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you did to make this covenant partnership possible. I belong to you and thank you in advance for your spirit's power to help me live my new happily ever after life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Just in case you're new to some of these mega themes, you can't just decide to do this on your own. Jesus makes it possible by what he did on the cross and his death, his burial, and his resurrection. What he did allows you to be forgiven with a fresh start. Those blank pages can start to be significant. And he gives you his spirit because of what he has done so that you have help. You can't pull this off with a significant, an eternally significant life by just trying harder. That's not how it works. I pray that you'll keep working on the who, working on the why, and leaning upon him in dependence. And when you do, you're going to see that your life is blessed, that you have become blessable, and that significant things are taking place in eternity is being touched by the story of your covenant partnership with God. Maybe you're coming hurting today and you have big decisions or you're not sure what to think. You just would like somebody to come alongside and pray with you. We've got a prayer team for that. I encourage you to walk over, get some prayer. Don't do life alone. Hang with people that are believers. Walk with the wise and you'll become wise. 
Find a small group. I'm so glad you came today. Next week, we're getting into trust the process. See you back then. Thank you for coming.